This is Dr. Andrew Jacobs with Sports Psychology Today, produced in partnership with The Washington Times. For more episodes of our show, go to WashingtonTimes.com. And for more information on the podcast or to advertise here with us, go to my website, WinnersUnlimited.com, and email me at drj at WinnersUnlimited.com. You know, if you listen to our pot weekly podcast, you know one of my main areas of interest focuses on the world of youth sports. It's, it's one of my passions. It's one of my concerns. And in the 37 years now I've been in practice, as I've shared many times on our show, I'm seeing a change. I'm seeing a change, pressures from parents to get their kids involved in youth sports at younger and younger ages, sign up for organized leagues at five and six, even four, and then the pressure to win. We're also seeing pressure on kids to specialize at eight, nine, ten years of age, which to me is absolutely absurd. You know, the baseball season ends in July and August. Well, we have off-season conditioning now. We have weights. We have, you know, hitting lessons. We have all this stuff we're going to do two or three days a week all the way through March when we start playing again. And to me, that's absurd. Uh, Years ago, when I was at the University of Kansas, first sports psychologist back in the 80s, I got to work with the basketball team with Larry Brown. And Larry is a very unique individual with a lot of interesting perspectives on things that I happen to agree with most of them. And one of the things that he said to me one time we were talking, he said, Andy, you know, kids should play a team sport and they should play an individual sport. They should play a team sport to learn about sharing, working together, about failure and how to pick up their teammates and have their teammates pick them up. But they should also play an individual sport so they can learn about self-confidence because it's all about you. He could not have hit that anymore on the head. And one of the things we also talked about was that he said kids should play a couple sports at the same time, not just focus on one, and don't play it year-round. Larry Brown, he's got a pretty good resume as far as success. So today, I'm privileged to have with me Dr. Albert Knuth. He's a pediatric orthopedic surgeon in the Chicago area, joining us to talk about this. Dr. Knuth, thank you for taking the time out this morning to be with us. You're very welcome. So... You just heard what I said. Tell me your thoughts. Oh, you hit it on the head. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, there is unbelievable amount of data that proves how important sports participation is, but we have to do it appropriately to get those uh, positive effects. What's that mean, do it appropriately? Um, as, you, as you highlighted, you want to be involved uh, in activity, but you want to vary the activity. You want to try to avoid subspecialization at an early age, which leads to overuse injuries, overtraining, and ultimately uh, burnout. You know, I was the Royals team psychologist for a long time, uh, two different time periods. And the last time we had a number of our starting pitchers who all went down with shoulder injuries. All of them started pitching when they were six, seven, eight years of age. And one was named the uh, high school 14- and 16-year-old pitcher of the year. Well, by the time I met them, their shoulders were shot. And, you know, there's been a tremendous increase in Tommy John surgeries at the major league level the last few years, mostly with with white Americans. Not that there aren't uh, some Latin players that have it, but I've noticed a lot of our white Americans, because they grow up in the suburbs playing baseball starting at these early ages, the inner cities do not have baseball like they used to, which is a shame. And my, my, the late Buck O'Neill, who was a good friend of mine, and I used to talk about that, about developing inner city baseball programs. But you're seeing a lot of white 
kids have Tommy John surgery. What, uh, 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 let me get your thoughts on that. Um, well, I do agree with you. There is uh, baseball is one of the things, especially pitching, where it is year-round uh, sports specialization. As you said, uh, you finish uh, a season. Usually, you're a gifted kid because they're the one giving you the ball because you're winning the games for them. So you're playing on one, if not two teams. You are playing 60 to 80 games, sometimes even 100 games a year. Um, which used to be reserved for only the pros uh, who had very, very defined training and off days. Uh, so now we have 12- and 15-year-olds that are playing 60, 80 games a year that they are throwing uh, um, much. When they're done pitching, they usually are the good player, so they go to shortstop, they go to catcher, and they keep throwing. They don't get days off. So the wear and tear is tremendous on it. And the amount of overtraining, we call it a dead arm syndrome, at about 14, 15 when they're a freshman, all of a sudden they can't do it because of either structural abnormalities or because they've done too much. How often, analogy, how, excuse me, how often are you dealing with that? Uh, unfortunately, too common now. It, uh, early on to me when I was just starting, um, I don't remember really ever having a uh, high school kid. And now from our standpoint, statistically, uh, 5% of uh, ulnar collateral ligament Tommy John stuff is now for the high school where it used to be zero or unbelievably you know, uh, unusual. So it is a, uh, absolutely on the rise. So, Dr. Knuth, let me ask this question. Why? Um, again, I believe for us, as you said, it is the sport specialization. There is desires to be the best, uh, to participate for a, a scholarship or uh, specifically for the baseball pitchers, um, you know, millions of dollars uh, in contracts. Um, and the perception is our society that if you take time off, you will lose all your skills where you hit it on the head in your introduction, taking time off and participating on a different, in a different sport is actually regenerates you, allows tissues to heal that have been overused, and makes you a better athlete down the road. You know, I have individual cases in my 37 years that I've worked that will prove that, that that's not right. And, and I'll share one with you just to get your thoughts. Years ago, I, I worked with a, a Pete Malone, who uh, co-authored our book, Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes to Use Sports. Uh, was the head coach of the Kansas City Blazers Swim Club, and at the time when he coached it, it was the premier swim club in the country. And he had a young lady back in the 80s when I first started with the team who was a high school junior, and she was burned out. She was just tired. She, she was getting stiffness in her shoulders. She didn't want to swim anymore. Pete had her come see me. We worked on it, discussed it, and... She took some time off, and she said, I know if I take time off, because swimming is a year-round sport, I'm going to fall behind everybody else. But I'm okay with that, because I need to feel good about me. So she took the time off. She didn't swim again until September, when she got back into it. She ended up going to UCLA then the next year as a walk-on, and by the time she was a senior, she was the captain of the swim team. And so I think that validates that it's okay to take time off, and she'd been swimming since she was seven or eight. She loved it, but it caught up with her. Does that, does that make sense to you? Uh, that makes 100% sense to us, and that's always the balance between who is the driven kid um, and who is, who is driving the kid. Uh, because if the child is choosing to do it, it's very difficult for a coach or a, uh, a parent to slow them down. But if the kid feels that the coach or the parent is the one that is the main impetus for their practicing that day, that risks exactly what you said. Uh, and the positive thing for her is she was able to take time off 
reset the framework and then return. We unfortunately see it where a lot of kids take the time off and never return, which then has lifelong effects. So she was an absolutely positive, uh, uh, you know, uh, story. Well, to this day, I still keep in touch with her. She's got got kids now, and they're they're actually in high school now, and they're playing several sports, and they're having a good time. And she coached swimming for a long time. So let me ask you: When you have a patient come in your office, a nine, ten year old that's got an overuse injury, and you can tell because I'm sure you're you've been in practice a long time, you're probably pre- pretty perceptive. It's the parents, not the kid. What do you say to the parents? How do you get the because the parents are going to say, "When's he coming back?" Does he have to have surgery? Is this going to affect his career? I'm sure you've got questions like that. How do you handle a situation like that? Let's share it with our listeners so they can get an idea how, how that works. Uh, I believe the um, a very difficult situation because, in general, my frame reference is going to be with thinking with my brain and sharing a lot of statistics. The parents are hearing it with their heart. So it is a, it is a kind of a, conf- a conflict or a confrontational visit uh, if you let it get there. So to me, I try to use a lot of our studies, a lot of our data, and I try to supply them written information, kind of like your, your, your book would be, so that somebody can read it the first time for their heart and then read it the second time for their brain so they can actually hear what, we, what people like you and I are trying to tell them. So I emphasize the importance of taking the time off and try to back it with actual, you know, real facts that they can do to make sure the child isn't overtraining or getting burnt out. Well, I love that. I love what you just said about the, you know, the brain and the heart. Because I, I, I have a, a graph in my office that I show people. On one end is the word rational. On the other end is the word emotional. And yep. I say the two ends of the spectrum. Where are you when you're dealing with things, especially injuries? When you're dealing with injuries, the emotional part comes out first, but the rational part has to take over. And that's, that's sometimes hard because you've got parents who spent sometimes thousands of dollars by the time they come in and see you, and now they're going to have surgery, which is more money, and they're sitting there thinking, did I waste all this? Is this, is this gone for naught? I very, I very much agree with that statement. And the difficulty for us is when I first started 20 years ago, we had a lot of the teenagers and high school kids who had some ability to make decisions on their own. Um, now for us we are getting into the middle school and even elementary school and that for us i don't believe that most of those children actually understand so the the onus falls on the parent to make the decision and then it is very much emotional uh as opposed to rational yeah well you you you, in my opinion dr knuth you totally get it i mean that's i've been dealing with this for so long and what i keep seeing is issues with parents who let their we have a saying in our book a good coach checks his or her ego at the door and a good parent checks his or her ego at the door when they walk in the doctor's office because it shouldn't yeah. be about them it should be about the kids and so that's that's the problem this is sports psychology today i'm sports psychologist dr andrew jacobs and for more episodes go to the washington times.com if you're listening the apple podcast and you like what we're doing give us a, re- a review and five-star rating and wherever you listen share this podcast on twitter and facebook I'm talking with orthopedic, pediatric orthopedic surgeon Dr. Albert Knuth, who's in the Chicago area today. So let's talk about solutions, Dr. Knuth, okay? We're seeing, and, and I've, I've said this on my show, my weekly radio show in Kansas City forever, we are on the pathway to having a competitive league for pregnant women. I, okay. I, I, I think we're getting so competitive and we're signing kids up at younger and younger ages. You know, they're, they're, there's a soccer organization I've heard of that has competitive leagues for two-year-olds, which, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, but it exists. 
And I'm like, why? Why would you do that? And it's like we're teaching skills, we're teaching fundamentals, and we're teaching values. You tell me how a two-year-old's going to pick up on that. They're not. It's all about it's all about the money. I think this the youth sports craze to me is all about the money. There are people, you know, people organize these tournaments, coach teams. Somebody's making money out there, so so it's driven that way. And the problem is, people feel if they don't sign up and they don't follow through with it, they're going to fall behind everybody else. So, what's your opinion on how that can be dealt with? Um, and if, I very and if you much agree, agree, okay. Oh yeah, no, I very much agree with what you say. I have in my area, I have five-year-old tackle football, um, which is you know to get you ready for the high school level, um, which to me is, as you said, it's two-year-old. I don't think the five-year-old gets it. I think it's dress up that the parents are playing, um, and I do agree that there is an, an onus uh, on the parents to have some understanding of balance. Um, how we deal with it is again trying to share the facts that have been, at least in our studies, orthopedic studies, proven multiple times, basically of spending fewer hours a week in play than you are years of age. Um, so in a soccer league, if you're two, you should be spending less than two hours a, a year, uh, sorry, two hours a week uh, participating. Now, I've never had to go that early. Usually we're uh, trying to apply this to the eight and 10 year old gymnast who is spending 12 to 16 hours a week in the gym and telling them that they're doubling their total amount um, and everything in moderation. Have you had parents break down and say, this is our fault. We shouldn't have done this. Um, I, I suppose to me, not uh, not in person. I do know for us, when I share my ideas, uh, it's usually parents who have gone through it with an older child who are very, very receptive uh, with a younger child and say, you were spot on. I wish I had known this five years ago when it applied to so-and-so. Um, but again, most parents are in the, as you said, the mainstream, they are getting told by coaches that you need to participate, you need to participate this much, taking a week off, you're going to lose all your skills. So they are buying into that, and you and I see them usually after there's been an injury or a breakdown, so we don't get to talk to the mainstream until it's too late. What's the first question you typically get asked when you have a patient in your office with a severe injury? Um, again, if it's number one, why did it happen? How did it happen? And I suppose to me specifically your question for the athlete is when can they get back? Yeah, that's what I was leading up to. Does that, yeah. do you get that quite a bit? Uh, yes, for the, for the overuse injuries, for the athlete injuries, for the middle school, 100% is they got to. Right now, to me, uh, with one of the local football leagues, I'm trying to come up with a policy on how you let kids play with casts for broken arms and uh, i was just somewhat why? taken aback or surprised why exactly would, why would somebody <laughs> want their child to play with a cast i i have asked multiple parents and it's as you said it turns into the emotion and i have had people yell at me i've had people stomp out of the office saying they'll find a different doctor because i won't sign a sheet to let their nine-year-old play football with a broken arm well yeah it's because of their ego it's all about their ego uh, that's the bottom line uh, I believe so. Um, uh, you know, yeah, I, it's hard for you and I. Well, you know better than I do what motivates people. Um, but it is surprising to me uh, when you have to have some talks that I think clearly kind of step over the line of, of what, is, uh, what is expected behavior. So what, from your perspective, it needs to be done to try to rectify this, to, to 
get this problem under control before, before, like I said, we have a competitive league for pregnant women? I mean, what are we going to need to do from your perspective? I do believe you said it. I think it's a societal expectation. I do believe that there is financial stuff tied to it, um, which I think is going to be a very difficult uh, – but I think it needs to be education like these podcasts, um, like your book, where people hopefully read it and read it for uh, the intellect and rational thought and understand that a well-balanced kid is not necessarily one who is spending 16 hours doing gymnastics a week at 8 or 10 years of age. So what would be the appropriate amount of time for 8 to 10-year-olds to be practicing in a week? Of course, I know that it depends on the sport. Gymnastics requires a lot of time. Swimmers require a lot of time. But but overall, for 8 to 10-year-olds, what would you say is, is an appropriate amount of time? One of our things, the biggest one we go by is spending fewer hours a week in sports participation than their age in years. So if you have an 8- to 10-year-old, it should be less than 8, less than 10 hours in the sport. More importantly, as you said, you don't want to specialize in a single sport, and you want to take two or three months a year away from training and competition in this primary sport. When people ask, and I'm sure they do, when you tell them that, you need to take some time off, and they tell you, well, we're going to fall behind everybody else because we've got to do it because everybody else is doing it. How do you approach that with them? Sports specialization to me is really, at least in my practice, has been something in the last, say, 10 or 15 years. Um, So the pendulum swung about 10 or 15 years that there was the thought that we were getting better athletes by single sport specialization. Now when we look at some of our uh, organizations, the Positive Coaching Alliance, a lot of the college coaches are now looking for the multiple uh, uh, sport athlete because a football player, if he can catch a ball, his his skills are better if he also was playing baseball and learned how to catch a baseball. Um, so in general, I try to emphasize the fact that our data now shows that multiple sports improves sports performance by having different skill sets as opposed to just focusing in on one. So in general, if the parents want to hear the message, it is you have a better athlete with multiple sports than you do with single sport, single participation, and you won't fall behind. In fact, you will be better because you won't have the overuse injuries from year-round participation, and you will have skill sets that complement your primary sport to truly make you better when you go back to it. I think you've hit it totally on the head right there. You're, I, I agree with you 100%. And so this, it's about educating parents and educating coaches when they come into your office, as it is with me, to understand these concepts and, and look at the big picture. And like you said, if you can get people to put their egos aside, you really can, can make a big, big difference in these kids and get them to stay healthier and enjoy the experience down the road. And I think that's what I'm hearing from you. I uh, 100% agree with you, yes. Well, Dr. Knuth, I want to thank you for joining us this morning. This has been great information. People want to get a hold of you. Tell us, uh, give us information how they can reach you. Uh, I'm a pediatric orthopedist outside of Chicagoland. Um, we have my website is uh, www.orthopedicsurgeryspecialist.com. Uh, we have an email that I'll be more than happy to uh, discuss things with people. Uh, and my name is last name is Knuth with a K K N U T H. Um, you can find me on the web as well. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I hope a lot of people listen to this podcast. This is great information, and people can heed your advice. I think a lot of kids will play sports longer, enjoy it more, and deal with their injuries in a better way. So thank you so much for joining me this morning. I very much appreciate your time and your effort as well. Thank you. This is Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and you've been listening to Sports Psychology Today.
produced in partnership with the Washington Times. And for more episodes, go to thewashingtontimes.com. And for more information on the podcast or to advertise, winnersunlimited.com. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next 